because I, it's a truth that if, I said this in the first service, if you don't stand for something, you'll fall for everything. That was great. You don't, in a sense, say enough is enough, then everything will be kind of okay. If we don't stand and say, hey, look, I'm not going past this point anymore, ever again. Number one, not doing that on our own, but doing that with the help of Christ. Again, if we don't, if we don't stand, you're going to find yourself on your face week after week, day after day, dealing with the same thing over and over and over and over again. And guess what? Jesus didn't set it up that way. Right. Amen? Amen. So, we're asking the Lord this morning to take us up off of what we think will support us, which is, in essence, as the Word says, of building your house on sand. And then the water comes, knocks you over, and you're on your face again. But what does He do? He says, no, let me lift your feet up out of that and set you on solid rock. You build your house. We build our home on solid rock. But today we can, we can start, we can continue. But I tell you what, it's going to take a little bit from us today. And that little bit is going to be, you know what, this line right here? I'm standing for Jesus, and that's it. I'm standing for the gospel being preached, and that's it. I'm standing for calling each other out as sons and daughters of Christ, and that's it. I'm not going to speak to you according to how I feel. No, I'm going to speak to you according to what Jesus says. Amen? Amen. Come on, now somebody's got to be in here today. Amen.
Lord, that's worth standing for. I pray that what's in us would come out of us, Father. If you are in us, let you come out. This morning, Lord, we need the Holy Spirit. We don't want to move forward unless you're here. Father, we want to be sensitive to what you're doing. So, Lord, I pray that this word as it comes across would hit our hearts the way you intended for it to, not the way it's being communicated through a personality, but, Lord, the word would speak for itself. So, Father, we love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name, everybody said Society. And that just means people taking care of people. That's really all that is. 
Don't get that twisted with anything else. It's Christians going from house to house making sure that we're good. But there's something in there that speaks about signs and wonders. That the people who were being saved were continually in awe because of the signs and wonders. And what are those? It's not great worship. It's not some great preaching. It's not a motivational speaker up here who could communicate well about the three C's to, you know, steps to coming to Christ. And see, no program is going to save anybody. Don't come here because of me. Come here because you hear about some things. You hear that there's healing on the outside of the building, so that's what's going on on the inside. Does that make sense? I mean, did anybody in the room do that? Yeah? And I'm saying that because the signs and the wonders is not what I'm chasing, but I'm, I want to be ready for them when they come. That the blind are seeing, the deaf are hearing, and watch this, the dead are being raised. Now you may be looking at me crazy right now, this boy is on one. That's okay. I'm sorry I'm not sorry. Because the manifestation of Jesus' presence results in lives changed. It doesn't result in Hallelujah. Walk out the door in 10 minutes. After you're gone, you forget what was being preached. You forget what was coming across through the scripture. Are you with me this morning? Mm-hmm. I'm just trying to make sure that I'm trying to pump on this one. Um, that we want to be known for the fruit that comes from the name on the outside and what's happening on the inside. I ain't going to you. <laughs> you got to be willing to step out into that, all right? But the Lord wants to do it. Amen. He wants to do it. Yes. Amen. So, for those of you who are new here, I say amen a lot. Doesn't mean you have to say amen afterwards, but sometimes it's just encouraging to me. Okay. So, <laughs> I'm gonna say amen. The baby's gonna scream a bit. Yes, I got one. <laughs> I got one. <laughs> We're continuing in the chapter in chapter eight of Romans. We're going to be looking at verses 26 and 27 today. I remember last week having that in the preaching, but was only going to have two or three minutes to talk about it, and there's way too much in here to do that. So I just said, hey, look, let's just push it till next week. So here we are, Romans 8, 26 and 27. But what we have come to understand and what has been preached, uh, what the, the Word has illuminated to us the past couple of weeks, is... Last week I talked to you guys about this, this groaning that's coming from creation. Verses 18 through 25. That all of creation groans for you to be a son and a daughter. You know what that means? That even, well, I use this analogy. Does a tree struggle with being a tree? It doesn't. It's not trying to be a building. It's not trying to be you know, a bush. It's a tree. So why do we struggle to be the very thing we were created to be? A son and a daughter. Because what the scriptures communicate to us up to verse 25, uh, 26 is that there is a groaning and a longing from creation, all of creation, for you to step out and be called forth into who God called you to be and for you to operate that way. There's an authority that comes with that. And uh, I said this last week, I'll probably say it again, that what sense would it make for me to walk into a room and then call the electrical company for permission to use the light switch? Who does that? You waste a lot of minutes, a lot of whatever, phone, time, right? 
You just walk in the room. You don't think twice. You turn the light on. The power, ladies and gentlemen, is already in the house. You just got to go in and flip it on. Use it. The authority that Christ has given you because you are a son and a daughter of Christ is already in you. The question is not are you walking with it. You are. The question is are you using it. So this authority that you have that's in you, all of creation is groaning for it. I remember saying that there's this God-shaped void in each one of our hearts that only you can fill. You can't fill it with money. You can't fill it with looking good all the time, buying the best clothes. You can't fill it with drugs. You can't fill it with sex. You can't fill it with anything. The only thing you could fill it with is Jesus. And you can dump anything and everything you want into that void and you will fall flat on your face again and again and again. Man, there's, there's places in my life where I, I get to the understanding of what I just said. Like, hey, practice what you preach. Awesome. And I'm wondering why I don't get it. Why am I still empty here? Well, what we're about to look at and I'm going to say this now. I said it later in first service, but I'm going to say it now. We can be so concerned as Christians to do the right thing. To pray. To come to church. To worship. To have Bible studies. I mean, even to disciple. And those are really good things. But do we do the right thing well? Do we pray well? Do we worship well? In our Bible study, are we talking about Jesus or are we just, is it a social club? When we worship, is it, we don't really want people to, I don't know, judge us for putting our hands up or my voice isn't the greatest, so I'm just going to kind of, I'm not really saying that loud. You guys catch what I'm saying? Do we do the right thing? Okay, I'm sure we do, but do we do the right thing well? Chapter 8 from verses 18 to 25, speak about something. And I kind of already touched on it. How important you are, not only to the creation, but to each other. What makes me, in a sense, get up in the morning and what fuels me throughout the day is when I know Luke is being bold about going downtown and sharing the gospel. Because he just beat himself. Or when, you know, Mr. Fasher in the back opens up his mouth and, and, and brings a word that knocks the whole room over. Man, that gets me going. Because creation is groaning for each and every one of you to be that person. Amen. You don't have to be anybody other than yourself. Now, I remember last week talking about, and I'm sorry, I'm going to stop talking here in a little bit. I'm just trying to bring us up. I want to read scripture. I don't want you guys to listen to me reminiscing about last week. <laughs> Talking about this this um, this game called Jenga. That's what Jenga is. Now they got these games that are as tall as me. Ridiculous. But what it is is you pull a little block out and put it on the top, and you, you the game goes to failure. And what's the failure? You pull that one piece out and hopefully it falls over. Well, we realize and look in verse twenty of chapter eight. The Lord speaks to that. He says, "For the creation was subject." To futility. Now what does futility mean? It means uselessness. Mm -hmm. Uselessness, let me read the rest of the scripture, it says, subject to futility, not willingly, 
but because of him who subjected it. I didn't wake up one day saying, you know what, I just feel like being useless today. And I know when Jesus created you, he said, oh, well, there's, here's the pile of people I'm going to use, and here's the pile of people I'm not going to use. He never said that. But I, I, I'm using the analogy of this word, or this game, Jenga, that as soon as you pull that Christ cornerstone block out of your life, the whole thing is going to fall over. And yes, what you do will be useless. He subject us to being useless when he's not in the picture. It's, it's, it was set up that way. So if it was set up that way, why try to pull him out? He's saying, when I am in you, you are useful, and all creation groans for you to be useful today. We're on the same page? Okay. So let me read these, these scriptures real quick. Romans 8, 26 and 27. And it says, in the same way, the Spirit also helps our weakness. For we do not know how to pray as we should, but the Spirit intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is, because he intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Man. So as we excuse me, go back and kind of break this down just a little bit. He's saying in the same way those first four words of verse 26 are pointing towards something. What are they pointing towards? In the same way what? The same way as help me out here. Well, verses 18 through 25. There's this groaning that's coming from creation for us to be ourselves. There's also a groaning I'm going to kind of skip down here. It says the spirit of himself. There's a groaning, a longing, a fervent desire that the spirit of God has to talk to God about you. Does that make sense? There's times where I don't want to talk to God because I'm mad and something happened to me and I'm just, you know, yeah, just walking around pissed off for no reason. You know that in that moment, the Spirit is fervently, passionately standing in the gap for you, speaking to God on your behalf. Yeah, amen. When I'm off in left field. In the same way, the Spirit, there's the subject, also helps our weakness. But we do not know how to pray as we should, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words, okay? I know I skipped down to the bottom half of verse 26, talking about that word intercession. And I'm going to work my way back up. To intercede, just like I said, means to stand in the gap. The Spirit, when you're weak, we'll get to that, stands in the gap for you and speaks to God according to God's language. I mean, how often have we been saying, Lord, give me the words to say? How do I even pray? What do I even say? 100% of the time, the Spirit of the Lord is speaking on your behalf. What a privilege. That's unbelievable to me. But as we go back up, in the same way, the Spirit also helps our weakness. Now, as I was reading this and 
looking at commentaries throughout the week, there was some conversation that talked about, you know, the Spirit comes to help when you are weak. And in moments of weakness. And in my head, I'm thinking to myself, well, if I'm nothing without Christ, there's no way I can be something with, without Him. If I'm nothing without Him, then if I don't have Him, then how can I be something? So basically, there is no time where I am not weak. Does that make sense? My weakness is all the time. So let's just understand that you don't have to walk around thinking about being a weak individual. That's not it. Oh, it's just a weak confidence in brother. It's not. That's not where I'm going. It's not what I'm saying. You pull that cornerstone out. You better believe that structure is going to follow. You pull that block out. It's weak. It's not going to hold itself up. Has there, any bit, excuse me, has there ever been a time in your life when you've done it on your own? When it hasn't been Jesus. I can answer that question for you, and I don't even know how to You guys with me? We're always weak, but in our weakness, He's made strong. That's scripture. But because He's strong, I am now strong, because I'm a son of God. Therefore, I don't need to walk around with my head down. With zero confidence. No, it just means that I'm willingly saying this. I'm going to be weak in my weakness. And I'm going to let the Lord make me strong. Part of being vulnerable in that statement. And then here's another statement that comes. In the same way the Spirit also helps our weakness. For we do not know how to pray as we should. You know, what it doesn't say is for sometimes in the morning we don't know what to say. Sometimes we're in the middle of that situation that's tough, we don't know what to say. It's saying we don't know how. And that's a realization that isn't beating us over the head. It's not saying bad you for not knowing how to pray. No. It's just saying if you don't know the language, there's a God that does. We do not know how to pray as we should, but, here it is, the Spirit himself, again, stands in the gap for us with something. Groanings too deep for words. Now, you guys ever been down south? Yes. And it's really hard to understand what is even being talked about in the middle of a conversation. The only reason I can say that is because i got family in Houston. Um, you should pray for them. Not the family, everyone's alright. Um, just Houston in general. And also do something about that, not just pray about it. Uh, give anywhere that you can, everything. But you go down there and it's almost like you have to have a degree in Divonics just to figure out what is being spoken. Or, or you try to talk to even Bill Knox from um, Ireland. Uh, I said this earlier that. He was talking to me, and he's just going so fast, and he said something about bum fluff. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, time out. Like, are you cussing at me, or what's going on? I don't know what that is. And it's just like, you know, your beard. So he said he needed to shave his bum fluff. Like, oh. <laughs> so, yeah, very awkward moment. Very awkward moment. But nonetheless, there's times where we have no idea what's being said. Or it's a foreign language like French or or uh, Spanish or you know anything. 
You just have no comprehension of what that language is. But the people who are in it do, right? I, I can talk to my dad certain ways. He came back from Houston from, um, he was down there this summer during his vacation. And I talked to him on the phone on, on his way back, and he just like reverted right back to his old crazy language. So I'm talking to him on the phone, I'm like, brother, I don't even know who you are. Man. Like, you, took, you stole my dad, and I don't know where he's at. Uh, did not even sound like himself. But the people down there, they understand that. People in France, they understand French. All the nations that have a, a certain dialect of Spanish, they know that, right? I'm trying to communicate to you today that the words that the Spirit uses goes beyond comprehension of any language. And anywhere, everywhere. That the language that he uses, you won't even be able to understand. But guess who does understand it? It's God. The mind of the Spirit. Are you guys with me this morning? Amen. I hope I'm not putting you guys to sleep with this. But again, in the same way, the Spirit also helps our weakness. So, excuse me, for we do not know how to pray as we should, but the Spirit Himself stands in the gap for us, speaking to the Father with words that are deeper than any comprehension of the human level. Thank you, Jesus. And as we jump into verse 27, I just want to make sure. Everybody good? Mm -hmm. Hopefully I'm not putting you to sleep. <laughs> right? As we jump into verse 27, the first part of this speaks to something that is that is huge. That we'll go through our cross-references to kind of pull out even more. But before I do that, here's the statement. I said to you guys earlier, that we should be so concerned about doing the right thing, but do we do the right thing well? This is talking about prayer. Now there are times in my ministry growing up that there's an altar call, somebody comes up front, and I'll pray for that person kind of according to the fact that they're young or they're old, or I kind of know a little bit about them, they need this, that, or the other thing. For instance, a college kid, I'll start praying for, you know, depth in the word, wisdom, discernment. Let me just shoot off all of these things and hopefully I'll hit something. See, praying for an individual when they come up is a good thing. But when this is communicating to me that the Spirit has the words and the language, the right thing to do would be to just stop. Not, not, not pray. Definitely pray. But do we take just 10 seconds and ask the Spirit to tell us what to pray about? And you know why that's so important? Because the Spirit's not going to tell me one thing and talk out the other side of his mouth and tell Alec another thing, and tell Luke another thing, and tell Kayla something different. But when we take 10 seconds, I'm not even saying an hour, oh my goodness, or 30 minutes, good Lord. Or even 30 seconds, which is a long time. If I shut up for 30 seconds, it would be awkward in like second 12. You know? But if you take 10 seconds when you're praying, and you take this verse into consideration, that there's somebody who may have dealt with something unbelievably tough the night before, and the Lord tells you 
It gives you the language for that. You know what that does? Man, that builds the body of Christ. Amen. We can be so busy in our minds that something over here is saying something all the time. And all God is asking us to do is just pause. Just pause because I'll give you the words. Amen? Amen. So in verse 27, you know, the word has a lot of different um, names for the Lord. Provider, Elohim, Healer, I mean, Conqueror, let's just go through the whole list. Uh, we'll be here for a while. In these first few words in this verse, it calls out the character of Christ. It calls out who God is. And it says, and he who searches the hearts. That's a big statement. And I'm going to take you to a few cross-references before we go back to the scripture on how he searches people's hearts. And then it's a, you don't need me to tell you that. Let's let the word show us that. Um, so very quickly, let's turn over to Matthew 20, verses 20 and 22. Now, to kind of paraphrase this story real quick, there's a woman who approaches Jesus, who's a mother of two kids, two boys, and she talks to Jesus and she says, hey, look, let me ask you a question. Can my son sit at your right, sit at your left? And Jesus' response is like, uh, you have no clue what you're asking me. So here's, here's what these scriptures say in verses 20 and 22. It says this, then the mother of the sons of Zebedee came to Jesus with her son, bowing down and making a request of him. And he said to her, what do you wish? Now, right there, this woman came to Jesus. How many times have we come to the Father asking for something? How many times have we gotten on our knees saying, Lord, look, I need this, I need that? And Jesus will respond. If you go to his throne, he's going to say, what, what do you need? What, what do you wish? 21, and said to her, what do you wish? She said to him, command that in your kingdom, these two sons of mine may sit one on your right and one on your left. That's a pretty big request. And Jesus, who searches the hearts, responds by saying this. But Jesus answered, Do you not know what you, uh, you do not know what you are asking? Are you able to drink the cup that I am able to drink? About to drink. They said to him, You are able. Now, this is before Jesus went to the cross. All right? Now, this story isn't to say, oh, this, this woman is bad. That's not it. It's to kind of show that as she approaches the Father, he is searching the motivation by which she is speaking. And just responds by saying, I don't know if you really understand the severity of what it would really mean to sit at my right and sit at my left. But I guarantee this. Maybe had she taken 10 seconds and let the Lord speak to her, or the Spirit speak to her. Could this conversation have gone different? I would say yes. I'm not trying to change scripture because that's not the job. It's in there for a reason. Right? But do you see the pursuit of Jesus and the answer that he gives in searching this woman's heart? Let's go over to Luke 9. And it'll be 51 through 56. 
We only have 55 up on the screen. That's my fault because I sent it wrong. Uh, yes. Okay. I'm going to read this. And here we're going to get more of an understanding of who Christ is. It says, when the days were approaching for his ascension, he was determined to go to Jerusalem and he sent messengers on ahead of him and they went and entered a village of the Samaritans to make arrangements for him. But they did not receive him because he was traveling towards Jerusalem. Okay, so those verses right there give us an understanding of what happened. He was traveling, where he was traveling, those people did not receive him. Alright? Now, this next part of this verse is hilarious, I think. Usually the things that are funny to me are not funny to second service. I don't know. <laughs> First service is great. Second service, y'all, is a different group. Which is not bad. Again, verse 53, but they did not receive him because he was traveling towards Jerusalem. Then here we go with a, a very uh, fervent response from two of his disciples. It says, when his disciples James and John saw this, they said, Lord, do you want us to command fire to come down from heaven and consume them? Whoa. <laughs> Zero to a hundred right now. Are you kidding me? Now, have you ever heard the term of righteous anger? Okay, I, I'm not going to say that that's bogus. But if you haven't taken ten seconds and, and let the Holy Spirit tell you to be angry in that moment with any kind of righteousness, then it's not righteous anger. It's, it's us responding to an injustice and saying, well, you know, it's an injustice towards God, so I'm going to be righteous about it. Kind of off the mark there. But Amen. these boys go from zero to a hundred in five seconds, and Jesus' response is just like this. He says, but he turned and rebuked him. Okay, that's us. Rebuked by Jesus, number one. But he turned and rebuked them and said, you do not know what kind of spirit you are of. And because I didn't get 56 up there, here it is. It says this. You do not know what kind of spirit you are of. For the Son of Man did not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. I have had so many fervent responses to an injustice that has been either in the church or out of the church. Specifically out of the church on Saturday when CSU could not get a call to save my life. <laughs> Man, I about broke my TV. It's not the TV's fault. I would have been out on the flat screen, but hey, I would have got my point across. <laughs> you know? But I've had many fervent responses even inside the church. But did the Spirit tell me to do that? Is that what was needed in that moment? Absolutely not. The Lord is trying to communicate to uh, James and John that here is my heart. And I'm going to speak from my heart. My heart is not to destroy people. My heart is to build love. You may have something in you that responds to an injustice like right away. Okay, but take 10 seconds. Just pause. And the one who stands in the gap, who intercedes for you, who is who, who prays for you when we don't necessarily know how, when he the one who speaks to God for us in the moments we don't know how will speak up 
and tell you what to say and how to say it. Are you with me this morning? I want this message to be encouraging to you that, hey, look, you don't have to have the right words. If you're looking for the right words when you go pray for somebody, you're probably not going to get them until you open up your mouth. I mean, honestly. But why this is such a big deal in the church is because it's been taken out of context. And it becomes the crux of that narrative, I was hurt by the church because such and such said this and this. Now you take 10 seconds to pause and let the spirit who knows what to say speak through you. We will do less of hurting one another. We will do less of pushing people outside the door because somebody said something and prayed over me and it was completely in left field. You know, Amen for those people trying. For actually doing that, because I don't want to throw people underneath the bus. It's not what we're about. I'm saying scripture's telling us to listen to the spirit, and we should listen to the spirit. Amen? Amen. Yeah. So I think what we're gonna do is have Starbucks cater second service. <laughs> so we get some caffeine, some IV going, something like that. Alright. <laughs> okay, the last cross-reference I want to take you to, which scares me the most out of all of these, and I keep coming back to this, this cross-reference. I've, I've, it's uh, um, Matthew 7, 21-23. Um, I've used this several times in the past three or four weeks. And the more I read through Romans, the more it gives me an understanding of really what this verse is talking about. So this is, these are Jesus' words. These are the red letters as he is speaking. He says this, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven will enter. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, and in your name cast out demons, and in your name perform many miracles? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who have practiced lawlessness. Brother, you lead the church. You're trying to do it well. Trying to bring people to Christ. And I stand in front of him and he says he never knew me. Me. That would be so rough. But what is he saying? What is he communicating even now what it means to know him? The right thing might be go cast out demons. The right thing might be to go, um, what else is it saying there? Uh, to perform many miracles, uh, to prophesy in your name. And then he comes back with his knowing. Those might be the right things, but do we do the right things well? Am I throwing spiritual stuff at a situation because I know that's what might help? But it takes time to sit down, literally, be across the table from Jesus and the Spirit, and get to know how he can handle that situation. That's what he's talking about. To have believers, to have followers who are interested in having a conversation, not telling God what we're going to do for them. 
listening for what he wants to use us for. Amen? Amen. Yeah. So as we turn back over to Romans 8 and finish up verse 27. And he who searches the hearts, he knows, he knows, also knows what the mind of the Spirit is. So not only does he know our heart, but he also knows the mind of the Spirit. And then it says this, because he intercedes for the saints, which is you and I, according to what? The will of God. So I ain't even, he's not, I love this, he's not talking to me according to me and what I want. Because what I want is ten times less than anything, I mean, hundred times. Let's just keep going with the numbers, you know? He's talking to, he's, he's speaking in a language that is according to God's will, not my will. He's speaking in a language according to what is going to give you life and not death. Does that make sense this morning? He's speaking in a language that's according to when you stand before him, he's not going to say, I never knew you. That same language, ladies and gentlemen, he wants to come out of you, through you, for us to not suppress it, for us to do just one thing. Take 10 seconds. Stop. Realize the Spirit is interceding. Standing in the gap. Let the language come Does that make sense this morning? Yeah. I want this to be encouraging that the helper is the one that helps us with the smallest of things. Even how to pray. But it's such a massive thing in the church today to know how to pray because we either feel like we don't so we run the other way or we jump in too fast and screw it up. We don't want to screw it up anymore. And I am the front runner of screwing that up, screwing things up. So this ain't me saying to you guys, look, I'm good, you're bad, I'm better, you're worse. No, no, no. This is all of us. I don't, I don't know why we didn't get any amens on that. One. <laughs> um, but let's get. I'm gonna close, start closing this up here. But let's get our. Um, communion up here, get prepared for our offering and worship team come back up. But I have a wonderful opportunity in the beginning of the week to be able to put this stuff out in front of my staff. Um, and they kind of give me their two cents. And I, I mean, they, they say stuff that I'm like thinking about. And it's just great. It's really good. And I'm going to close with this because it's, it's been a recurring thing that has, the Lord's been saying to me in the past week or so. You guys know the reason Beck isn't here is because he has a little baby. Lindsay had the baby. Beck did not have the baby. You know what I'm saying. But Beck, my goodness, that boy sleeps hard. Why? Because I lived with him for three or four years. And we used to have a few um, condos where I was on the top floor, and then there's the living area, and then there's the basement. Well, he was in the basement in like the back corner, and just whatever. I can hear this man's alarm all the way upstairs, and it's just going for like 30 minutes. I, and this happens so many times, it's ridiculous. I just get up out of my bed and go downstairs, and I either shake the bed or I turn the alarm off. But the boy sleeps hard. So I'm having a conversation with him a couple days ago because I got to see Sir Charles, 
That's what I'll call him. First name is Samuel. That's why I call him so sharp. Um, and he's talking to me about how this baby will smack his lips in the middle of the night. And he's up, like looking in the crib. Are you all right? Do we need to check the oil? Get up and look at the <laughs> <laughs> And it's just unbelievable how a father or a mother's ear is turned towards their child. Some of the mothers in the room, kind of Misty said this during staff meeting, that you can be in a room with a thousand people. Your kid says mommy, and you're like, what's going on? I'm here. Do you guys realize that the father is that way with us when we talk to him? Amen. Amen. But when you say or have the language of the spirit, man, it is so much more pointed and clear and just right there. But the other part of this is this. What is it for us? As much as there is a God-shaped void in our heart that only He can fill, Jerry brought this up and I love it. There's a God note as well. You know what resonance is? It's certain frequencies that can be heard maybe by the human ear, dogs can hear higher or loud. Just whatever. But certain sounds resonate, right? Certain sounds you can pick up on. We all have this God note. And when he speaks, man, that thing starts to vibrate. It's that feeling that you get behind your chest when you know he's saying something. Because the words are coming, and it's causing your heart to resonate. There's a conversation the Lord wants to have with you today. He wants us to have the right language. And he wants us to be able to listen to what he's saying in return. Are you with me this morning? I love that he's a God who won't stop talking. Even when we're not listening. Amen. Habitually. Amen. Let's go ahead and come on up here. We're going to take our offer and then we're going to jump into the But Father, thank you so much for how you communicate to us. Lord, about how you're the helper. And that's what you want to do. You want to help. You want to help us even talk to you. And we're so thankful for that this morning. Lord, we want to be obedient to that. We want to be obedient to letting His Word hit us. Father, walking out of here differently than we came. But Father, as we take up this offering, I pray that there's, there's words that you want to speak to us even now about giving that we want to be able to hear. That Lord, we know giving goes way beyond money. It's not even about all of this money is yours anyway. It's about hearing your voice. So Father, right now we want to hear your voice. We do. I pray that as the play goes by, whatever gets put in there is given with joyfulness. Why? Because that's what you said to us. You said to us to give joyfully. It doesn't matter what it is. Well, Father, bless what gets put in there so that we can bless you with it and continue to keep it alive. Love you and thank you.
very serious. Simply because what communion is, it's a representation of the sacrifice that Christ made for us on the cross. Not really knowing the understanding of the depth of that and then partaking in communion, the word just tells us it's not really something that you should do. However, I love that there's, a, that there's an answer to that. And I just have to say, first service we had somebody give their life to Christ, and that was amazing. We got one. Let's get you don't even know who it is. Let's clap for But let me say this. Maybe you're laughing, you're asking for this language, you're looking for this language, and you don't know what it is. But you want that. You want to transfer your trust from yourself over to Christ. Let's uh let's just pray and see if the Lord has done anything in anybody today when it comes to giving their life to Him. Father, thank you so much for in your character. I love that in your word you say so many things about you can have this, you can have that. Peace, patience, goodness, kindness. But you get to this word love and you say it's nothing without that. Lord, you love us to a place where we want to give our heart to you. That purely comes from you. That doesn't come from anybody else. Lord, if there's anybody in here today who has been loved to a place where they finally want to give their life to you for the first time confessing you as their father, transferring their trust from themselves to you, closing the gap that sin created, and then giving us access to the Father. Father, if anybody in you, you can work it on, and they know their heart is resonating with the words that are coming across right now. And they want to give their life to you for the first time. If that's you, just raise your hand. Put your hand up and we'll pray for you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we love you. We thank you so much for just the opportunity to even share the gospel to, to ask if anybody wants to give their life to you, Lord. That's a privilege. But we just don't want to take that for granted. So we love you. We thank you, Jesus' name. Amen. In that case, what I'm going to ask you guys to do is get up. Uh, we're going to come down the center aisle. And I got communion on my right and to my left. And so, uh, yeah, come on down. Forget that. You can return to your seat. And I'll pray us through the communion. So, yeah, you guys can rise
vida we're just in awe of how you work and how everything we've ever needed is spelled out for us in the word and Lord you just wait to, to have us open up the word and read it and let the spirit illuminate the scriptures Lord in the word you show us even in the last supper how you took that bread communicated to your disciples, you broke it, you passed it around, and Lord, today we have the, the little wafer representation of that. You spoke to your disciples saying, look, here's, here's my flesh, here's my body, here's what I'm going to sacrifice, not only for you guys, but for all of mankind, so that all of mankind can be on the status of redeemed forever. Thank you so much for that, Father. You told us to do that, so we do that right now. We we eat that and we do that in remembrance of you. In remembrance of my goodness. Your trek to the cross, Father. And what you gave. And Lord, the, what's in the cup? You also picked that up and passed that around the table. You spoke to your disciples, communicating to them the significance of what that was. That every drop that was spilled from, from the moment that they took you in the garden to your last breath on the cross, every drop in between, Father, was enough. It was sufficient. And that's what needed to be still. You communicate to your, your disciples that drink this in remembrance of me and the blood that I'm going to shed for not only you, but again, all of mankind as a payment for sin. So we don't have, no longer have to deal with the penalty of sin because of what you did. So Lord, we drink. What's in the cup? Father, we do that in remembrance of you. And in this moment, Lord, we just want to be able to let you speak to us. Take 10 seconds, 15, 30, whatever, to just let you speak to us, Father. We don't want to interrupt. We don't want our voice to be louder than yours. Father, we thank you for bringing us to this point. You're speaking right now.